Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used or just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hi, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. Almost here, round the corner technology. Today I've got a very interesting guest, uh, Jonathan Johnson, a man of many talents, but I'll give you just a few of his accolades. Uh, Jonathan Johnson, chairman of the board of Overstock.com. Um, he ran for Utah governor in 2016, and now uh, appears he's into a new initiative uh, that involves the blockchain called T0. So I'm going to let uh, Jonathan talk about that and what's involved. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, Richard. Thank you for having me on uh, on your podcast. So Overstock was a is, was an early adopter of one of the earliest blockchain technologies when Overstock began accepting Bitcoin uh, as a form of payment. Now, three years ago, in in January of of uh, 2014, uh, but it wasn't long before we realized that. As exciting as Bitcoin was as a payment methodology, um, that its underlying technology, blockchain, was really where the future was. And so Overstock has set up a uh, subsidiary called Medici Ventures that invests in different blockchain companies. And uh, one of our largest investments is the company that you mentioned, T0.com, that is working to bring blockchain to the capital markets. And uh, in December, Overstock became the first company using T0's platform to issue equity that doesn't change through a, it doesn't trade through a stock exchange, but is a digital equity that trades and settles almost immediately on blockchain technology. Interesting. Okay. Um, if you don't mind, can we talk about um, Overstock's, you know, first, Overstock's acceptance of Bitcoin? I, it sounds like you guys are a really early adopter. Did you get a lot of um, customers paying in Bitcoin, and what was that like, that experience? So it was a little over three years ago. We'd been following Bitcoin for the better part of a year when uh, we decided, you know, this is a currency that that seems to have gotten some traction. We watched what happened uh, in Cyprus during their banking crisis and how so many people put their money into Bitcoin. And we said, look, it seems like it's working. And so we announced that internally that we would be accepting Bitcoin sometime in the next six months. And we had a couple teams of developers that said, you know, put me in coach. They they really wanted to to, to be involved and said that they would uh, work to, to implement it quicker. And so nine days later, after a couple development teams had done really great work, we began accepting Bitcoin, and uh, hmm. uh, it it accounted uh, and accounts for somewhere between half a percent and a percent uh, of our 
sales, our revenue, and you know, for a company that does two billion dollars in revenue, that's that's a significant amount of Bitcoin transactions. And so, uh, it was well received. We were the first billion dollar plus retailer uh, to accept Bitcoin, and uh, we continue to accept it today. Do you see that um, Overstock's acceptance of it is leading other big companies to accept it, or is it still too early for the the big market, for the main market? Oh, I think uh, many companies followed uh, Overstock's lead in the three years since we began accepting it. There's been more and more companies, and, you know, when you think about being a retailer trying to sell something, at the end of the day, you'd like it to be as easy as possible for customers to spend their money with you. And whether that's through credit cards or PayPal or cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, uh, our philosophy has always been make it easy for the customer to buy. And uh, there have been many, many companies uh, now that have followed our lead and accept Bitcoin. And, you know, I don't know when we reach – when society reaches a critical mass and and bitcoin becomes as ubiquitous as an american express card or a uh or you know an, an apple pay or something like that but i don't think we're too far away that's great that's great news okay um let's talk about the digital uh equities you mentioned very briefly in the trading of them what what was the uh, what was behind that initiative and what's that been like well, Overstock as long as a well as a publicly traded company has long uh, cared about the capital markets, uh, and we've also spent uh, the better part of a decade fighting what we saw was serious manipulation in the capital markets uh, surrounding the settlement system. So, if if you purchase a share of stock from me, uh, I have three days to deliver the certificate to you, uh, you have three days to deliver the cash. It's referred to in the industry as T plus three or trade plus three days to settlement. And in that three-day period, uh, first of all, it seems very antiquated that it would take three days to settle a trade, uh, you know, in the 21st century. But in that three-day period, there can be a lot of malfeasance that happens. Uh, and we saw the blockchain as a way to take out a lot of intermediaries that have come into the capital markets and are there because uh, buyers and sellers may not know each other and we have intermediaries that, that serve as a, a trust mechanism. Well, the blockchain technology is a technological trust mechanism. Anybody who's buying or selling on the blockchain has proved that they have ownership of either the cash they're using to buy or the asset that they're selling. And so we saw going to the equity markets and putting uh, stock trading and settlement on the blockchain as a natural extension of what Overstock has tried to do to clean up and make the stock markets more efficient. So that's what piqued our interest. Um, and you know, you asked, was it was it difficult? 
Uh, I think the answer, if I'm being completely candid, is yes, it was difficult. Uh, regulators and incumbent industries are always, I think, uh, hesitant toward uh, disruptive technologies. And we decided that we were going to work closely with the SEC. We were going to work closely with FINRA and any other regulators that would be involved to make sure that this was all, you know, above board and through the front door to mix two metaphors. Uh, and so, you know, there was a lot of work with regulators and thankfully, uh, the regulators were relatively easy to work with. And, uh, when we, you know, got the, kind of okay to move forward or the, you know, no more questions uh, that let us move forward. Uh, then it was establishing a, a coalition of people in the industry uh, that we would need to work with, uh, broker dealers, the transfer agents, uh, and others. Uh, and so it was a longer process than we'd hoped, but we're very excited that it was a successful process and that people can now purchase overstock preferred shares that digitally trade and settle on the blockchain. Wow, that's great. I didn't realize that. What about for um, for other equities? Are they going to be using this system? Does it have a name? Well, it's, it's the T0 platform right now. We're working on a... Uh, catchy branding name uh, that will you know, come out before too long. Uh, we wanted to prove it as a proof of concept with the overstock equities, but we've already talked to three or four other publicly traded companies that are interested in using it. So, you know, I think it's a matter of, of time, probably months, a few months before other companies are issuing shares that don't trade on an exchange, but trade in a market that settles on the blockchain. So we think that there is that this is a way to uh, eliminate a lot of incumbent players that aren't necessary when you use blockchain technology. Which, which blockchain are you using? Are you using the Bitcoin or Ethereum one or your own private one? So the trades... Uh, happen on a, a private distributed ledger, but then we tie them all to the Bitcoin blockchain. And we think that that's important, uh, that if you're going to prove immutability, absolute uh, ownership and chain of ownership, we think it's important to go out to a public distributed ledger. And so we use the Bitcoin blockchain uh, to, we, we write, things that we've done on our private distributed ledger to the Bitcoin blockchain. Oh, that's great. Okay. Um, so what's happening right now if someone does a trade in the preferred stock of Overstock? Do they, um, does the trade still settle in three days, but yet really it's settled within 10 minutes on the blockchain or instantly? They, uh, they don't settle in three days. And that's why we've named our capital markets company T0. I mentioned it. Trade plus three or T plus three is the norm. For us, the trade is the settlement, uh, and uh, trades are almost settled immediately. Uh, and so if if I were to purchase shares, I need to commit funds uh, in my brokerage account. They are committed on the blockchain, and I might 
be asking to purchase shares at eighteen dollars, you know, ten shares at eighteen dollars a share. So I've committed a hundred and eighty dollars. And if you are selling uh ten shares and are willing to take eighteen, you know, willing to take eighteen dollars a share, the T Zero technology, uh the platform matches that bid to that ask. It immediately is written to the blockchain and the trade is settled. Wow. So does it look different, the trading of the bid-ask spreads more or less, or the transaction fees more or less? So how does it differ from you know, the traditional methods of trading? Well, the transaction fees are low. Uh, we, we've we signed up with one broker-dealer right now, one brokerage firm. It's a company called Keystone. Uh, the trades are four ninety five a trade until you are trading more than roughly a thousand shares uh and then they're still much lower than you'd pay at a traditional brokerage fee brokerage firm so the fees are 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 low um the bid ask you know it's it's a small offering that overstock did, and so it's a uh, less liquid market than we expect to get to uh over time uh but you know you can you can see every bid and every ask every day uh written to the blockchain if you go to the t zero dot com uh dashboard you can see who's offering to buy and for how much and who's offering to sell not the names specifically but you can see the hash to the blockchain that will show who's offering to buy and who's offering to sell. That's great. Yeah, how do you anticipate <clears throat> once this becomes more widespread, will the market look different or act different than the traditional markets? Again, you know, when it, once it becomes truly liquid and there's a high transaction volume, do you think the bid ask will be different? Do you think there'll be different trading behavior you think this is more amenable to <clears throat> computerized trading? And what what will be the differences that you would guess would would be apparent? I think the bid asks will become very tight, um, and I think there'll be uh, good liquidity uh, as this becomes more widely accepted. Uh, I think we'll get truer uh, price discovery. Um, it's also very difficult to manipulate uh, because. You can't fail to deliver a share. You know, one of the problems in our current market is if you don't deliver the shares in three days, you're given another 10 days to deliver. And if you haven't delivered in 13 days, there's no significant penalty. And so people who think they have bought shares have really bought an IOU. That IOU trades as if it's a phantom share. When everything's on the blockchain, and the trade is the settlement, that flop, so to speak, in the system will go away and prices will be truer. Wow. What about uh, derivatives and options and futures? Do you think, I mean, how will they exist in a blockchain-based system or it'll just be same as usual? Well, I think all those can be written, any kind of, you know, just like you can have a common stock or a preferred stock or we can have derivatives and options. I think one thing that will happen less are high-frequency trading and algo traders who today are able to put out an offer and have it disappear 
almost instantaneously, you know, erase it almost instantaneously in attempting to kind of smoke out uh, what people might be willing to sell their shares for. Here, when you make an offer, it's on the blockchain until you cancel it. Uh, and if someone at the same time is ready to sell there, that trade happens almost instantaneously. Wow. And what's been the reaction from other broker-dealers and the incumbents, as you call them? Well, uh, you know, other broker-dealers are interested. When we did our offering, we did it as something called a rights offering, where we gave people that owned uh, Overstock Common Stock the right to purchase a share of our digital preferred share, which meant that you know, if you held your shares at Scott Trade and I held mine at E-Trade and someone else was at Ameritrade, each of those broker-dealers learned of the T0 platform because we had to send out a notice to all the Overstock shareholders via their current brokers. Um, brokers were curious about it. Uh, I think over the next many months we'll be working with more brokers to sign them up uh, on the system. Um, some of the some of the incumbent players, like the transfer agent, the most the largest transfer agent in the country is a group called Computer Share. They were very helpful uh, in helping us complete uh, and close this offering. So there are some people in the industry, incumbents, who see this as a way to improve the industry. Uh, you know, we'll see what uh, firms. Uh, that, that are involved in traditional settlement think, uh, it really has the potential to disrupt their business. Yeah. Um, hmm. Interesting. But right now, shares are held mostly in street name, meaning in the broker's name. Will this change once blockchain is everywhere? Will shares eventually be held in an individual's name? You know, you can... Today you can hold shares in street name or your own name, and as the T0 technology is widely adopted, that won't change at all. Uh, you'll still be able to hold in street name or uh, in your in your own in individual name. Okay. Yeah. What we're trying so when to do, do you think we're trying to make this as as be as familiar as possible to current hmm. people who own and trade stocks uh, uh, so that it that makes the adoption uh, easier. Making it familiar doesn't mean making it the same. It may look and feel the same, but the back, the back office settlement is very, very different, and that's what's disruptive and we think really innovative and good for the system. Yeah, yeah the more familiar it is, the more it likely if adoption will happen quickly. So that makes total yeah. sense. Yeah. Any any downsides? I mean, with this, markets will be, I would guess, truly 24-7 if they want it to be. And I mean, what happens if there's a big market movement? You know, NASDAQ and these other, um, you know, exchanges have stepped in at times to stop the market, close it. I mean, what do you think will happen under this new regime? Well, on, on the T0 platform, we currently only trade during U.S. 
market hours. We expect over time that will change. Uh, like like an exchange, uh, I I believe we have the ability to to step in and stop trading if there are abnormalities, which I think is important and I something that the regulators required. Uh, they don't want to you know a, a runaway uh, situation, fraud situation that can't be stopped. So you know we're we're set up to do that kind of thing, but. When you think of the time we live in, and this is a, a future tech podcast, there are people trading around the clock right now. You know, they're only allowed to trade on the U.S. exchanges during U.S. hours, but then they're trading in Europe, and then they're trading in Asia. And frankly, the sun never sets on the financial world and trading today. We should make it easier for those that want to participate in markets 24-7 to do just that. Okay, makes sense. Any downsides or um, anticipated speed bumps to the, the rollout of T0? Well, you know, it's anytime you're getting uh, new technology to be adopted, uh, you know, there's a little bit of a sell. We've had interest mm -hmm. from exchanges, uh, particularly exchanges overseas that see this as a way to uh, do a forklift upgrade in their technology to leapfrog the technology that some of the leading exchanges have today. So you know, there's a sales cycle for this. There's a, an adoption cycle. Uh, and frankly, we've seen the most interest in uh, Europe and Asia and, and in countries that are trying to, like I said, do a forklift upgrade uh, in their technology. So sometimes, sometimes if you're a little behind the leader and you're running around the track, the fastest way to get ahead of the leader is to run across the field uh, yeah. instead of trying to run faster to catch up 10 paces. If you run across the field, all of a sudden you can be, you know, 150 yards ahead of them and not have run as far. And we think that's, that's why yeah. uh, developing countries are more likely to run across the field to get ahead on the track. Yeah, just like countries skipped landlines and went to cell phones. That's um, a great same example. Effect. Yeah, it's yeah. a great example. I mean, people used to people used to say, how are we going to lay all the, the wire on the subcontinent of India to make sure everyone had a, a landline? Well, mm. turns out we didn't have to, but everyone's got a cell phone. They, they ran yep. across the field to get ahead on the track. Interesting. Any other um, <clears throat> ancillary technologies that are going to feed into or interact with T0 that the average person doesn't know about, but you do because of your work? Well, uh, I mean, I think there are a lot of opportunities in the capital markets for uh, blockchain, you know, whether it's crowdfunding, uh, a way to help people, companies uh, raise capital uh, before they go public, whether it's uh, creating a way for uh, pre-public issuance shares to trade. Uh, those are things, I think, that are natural for the blockchain. Uh, creating applications around securities lending. Uh, today, you know, a lot of banks make money by loaning shares that they hold for their clients uh, to short sellers. Uh, 
uh, I think the blockchain can show because it shows a a immutable record of ownership um, of a share doing something in the securities lending area uh, seems like a natural fit and it's it's something we're working on um, you know I if if I were uh, running the Securities and Exchange Commission, I would be looking at blockchain technology to meet the consolidated audit trail requirements uh, to follow, you know, trades from Genesis into the future. The blockchain, because mm. it's immutable, creates a perfect audit trail. Um, and, you know, the Securities and Exchange Commission is spending a king's ransom uh, to create a consolidated audit trail. Uh, we think we've done that with this proof of concept uh, of Overstock's digital right offering. There will be a consolidated audit trail from the time Overstock issued those digital shares to every time someone offered to sell them, did sell them, uh, did buy them, from now until uh, the end, it's a perfect audit trail. It makes sense, yeah. yeah. And for firms too, you know, to do their accounting. I think I've heard it called uh, a third set of books. You know, there's a well, double yeah. entry, and then there's the blockchain part. Well, it, it it really is triple entry accounting. And you know, if I, if I were running a big bank in Wall Street and looking at my P and L and how much. Undoubtedly, uh, I'm spending on uh, regulatory compliance of showing uh, trades are done right. Again, using blockchain technology is is a natural. And one of the companies that we've invested in, a company called Peer, Peer Nova, is doing just that. They're using blockchain technology to help big banks and Wall Street firms uh, create a regulatory audit trail like you say, this third set of books um, mm. to reduce their compliance costs. And, you know, Richard, you mentioned the third set of books. I just, I got to tell you why we chose the name Medici Ventures for okay. our blockchain subsidiary. The Medici family in uh, Renaissance Italy really introduced double book key, double entry accounting to the Western world. Uh, and they became great financiers and a great business family that uh, created great wealth. And so when we looked at what we're trying to do in the blockchain and saw that it's triple entry uh, bookkeeping, so to speak, we thought naming our business after uh, the Medici's of old seemed like a, a rebirth, a renaissance uh, of a accounting an accounting name that fits the blockchain. So Medici Ventures we are, and we hope to change the world and be a, a source of good, just like the Medici family was in Renaissance uh, Italy. Yeah, it makes total sense. I like the reference. Uh, a couple more questions. Who is working to shape the law surrounding blockchain so that blockchain entries can be accepted as um, verifiable proof of accounting, as, you know, that they can be used in all these areas for, you know, for securities. Without the law in place, uh, a lot of these ventures either could go forth or be stopped in their tracks. So what do you see on that side of it? 
Well, that's a great question, and I don't uh, go to I, you know, I haven't been to Washington D.C. any time in the last two years, where members of Congress or their staff or staffers of committees that they work on aren't trying to figure out first what Bitcoin was and now what blockchain is. Um, and I am always quick to say um, one of the reasons the Internet changed the world like it has over the last two and a half decades is government took a very light hand on regulating it. Uh, Congress mm, yep. decided uh, and the Clinton administration, the Bill Clinton administration decided uh, long ago to not really regulate the Internet. Um, you know, you might regulate some of its uses. The slander and the and the libel laws still apply to people who publish on the Internet. But they didn't have a heavy regulatory hand on the Internet. I think it's right. important that that Congress and other regulatory bodies don't have a heavy hand of regulation on the blockchain. It, it may make sense to regulate how it's used in an industry, but to try and wholesale regulate the blockchain doesn't make sense to me. Um, you know, we don't regulate how databases are used, but if databases are used as part of securities trading, the SEC will regulate that trading. Mm. We should regulate its use, its its specific uses in industry to the extent regulation is necessary, but we shouldn't put overarching regulation on the underlying techno blockchain technology. I agree, yeah. It seems like regu regulation has come begrudgingly. You know, the IRS said, all right, fine, we'll classify as an asset. And it it, it seems like, yeah, so far uh, the government has stayed out of it for the most part, but it's I think they're being well, forced to uh, to look at it more. Yeah, and, and, you know, where they've stepped in, I actually think that IRS ruling that you mentioned, frankly, was designed to and did set back adoption and wider use of Bitcoin. Uh, mm. to, treat it, to treat it like a commodity rather than a currency for your accounting and tax purposes makes it much more different to get widespread adoption as a currency. Right. Um, so, you know, my view is broader adoption of a distributed public distributed ledger technology is a good thing. Uh, it eliminates middleman after middleman after middleman in industry after industry after industry. And yep. we should be encouraging that, particularly if we are future tech believers, rather than discouraging it through, uh, you know, apparatchiks sitting in a government building deciding how to protect their fiefdom. Yeah, it makes total sense, and I agree. And a lot of people I've spoken to in the blockchain world are very passionate, very idealistic, and they really want to make the world a better place. And it's not for nefarious use. And um, I don't know if you agree, but I think that uh, blockchain is separating its identity from Bitcoin quite a bit. But even Bitcoin has come a long way and its image has gotten better from the, the quote-unquote old days of Silk Road and 
it just being a fringe thing used to buy drugs. And it seems like things are really moving beyond that. Well, I I, I agree with you on both counts. I think Bitcoin uh, got a bad reputation early, uh, but that it's you know its nose is getting cleaned up and uh, it's it's much more widely accepted. I think blockchain is slowly but surely being better understood. Um, and most people who are developing things for it are trying to really improve society. I think of one of the companies that Medici Ventures has invested in down in the Caribbean that we're trying to help bank the unbanked. There are large segments of society around the world that you know, have jobs, earn money, but can't keep a bank account uh, and can't have a bank account. And with cryptographically secure digital currency, uh, the need for the bank uh, goes away. I mean, we'll still need banks to lend and extend credit and do those kind of things, but you won't need a bank to safeguard your money to transact digitally uh, if we can do that. And so our view is banking the unbanked is a good thing for society and a good, particularly in developing countries. Uh, we're working right. with companies and investing in companies that uh, are trying to digitize land title. It is mm. so difficult and costly to ensure uh, correct land title uh, that in and in particularly in some developing countries, if you can't prove land title, you can't get a loan to start a business. Uh, the Peruvian economist Hernando de Soto, in his book *The Mystery of Capital*, uh, said that proper land title is one of the building blocks to a free market and to capitalism. If if you own a home that you can't uses collateral to get a loan to start a business, then you can't start a business. Uh, yeah. So there are lots of places where the blockchain uh, will make lives better for uh, you know those that are on the fringes of society. They can. We need to create a way that they can pull themselves into the center of society and and be part of the main street and, and cr creating wealth for themselves and for others. Mm. Makes sense. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, <clears throat> last question. It's kind of, you know, on a side, side area, but um, it's about digital tokens. And I've heard of initial coin offerings and, uh, you know, all these companies that are working with the blockchain, a lot of them are, have their own coins. And do you think that these, coins are going to become securities? Are they going to become securitized? Or what kind of role will they play? What are they now? And what will they become, you think, in the near future? You know, Richard, that's that's one I'm not as well versed on. I know there are a lot of coins out there. You know, there's Bitcoin and there, I mean, there's, it seems to me there's as many coins as people can make up names for. Uh, yep. I think, you know, at, at some point there will, I don't think we'll have one digital currency. I don't think there'll only be uh, Bitcoin. Uh, there probably will be many, but I think it will slim down to, you know, some usable number. And just like we have currencies today that 
trade against these uh, each other, the dollar versus the yen, and we can figure out how many yen are worth the dollar. We'll be able to figure out how many of one coin are worth a single Bitcoin. So at Medici, we're, we're really coin agnostic. Uh, we think the market will work that out. Um, mm. And, you know, some will catch hold and do well and others may not. I, I do think that Bitcoin and the Bitcoin blockchain uh, have a significant first mover's advantage. And it's part of the reason that we've tied our T0 platform to the Bitcoin blockchain. It's so widely used. It's, it's If you're going to be on a public ledger, it's the best public ledger right now. Yeah, makes sense, definitely. All right, well, this has been a, a great interview. You covered some very unusual, interesting topics. Uh, anything I should ask you about that we left out? Well, I'll tell you, uh, if, if if your listeners are interested in part of be, being part of history, uh, they should take a look at the T0 platform, watch our overstock tr shares trade digitally, and who knows, uh, maybe even buy one and tell your kids you are early adopters of what we think is the technology of the 21st century. Yeah, that's what I was about to, to, to ask you. Um, what's the best way is that listeners can start to engage and learn more about T0 and um, the overstock shares that are traded digitally? So they can go to the T0.com website, and that's the letter T and the number zero.com. Uh, they can also... If if they're interested in trading a share, they can uh, or trading shares, they can go to KeystoneCapital.com. That's the broker dealer that's currently the exclusive uh, broker dealer for purchasing and selling our overstock digital shares. All right, well, very good. I appreciate your time, and again, this has been a really great interview. Thank you for coming, Richard. Thank you for. Uh, your thoughtful questions and thank you for caring about uh, future technology and, and recognizing that this is one of the great technologies of the future. You've been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post to review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.